Hello and welcome to the Spirit Guide Society podcast. My name is Pedro Shanahan and I'm your spirit guide. Tonight, we had Mel Heim in the house from Eastside Distilling up in Portland. They recently released their Burnside whiskey and it is damn good. Mel is a female master distiller and that's a big deal in the whiskey world. So check out this incredible conversation. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Tell your friends and remember to always enjoy responsibly. Be a responsible drunk. Eastside Distilling been going on and, and how did you get started in the business? Yeah, Eastside's been around for 10 years. We're celebrating our 10-year anniversary this summer. Um, I've been with the company for six years and I actually uh, cut my teeth at Rogue in Portland and I think I saw a Rogue bottle somewhere in this building. Yes. Uh, right there. Yes. Um, so, yeah, we've been around for a while. When I started, we were a small rum outfit. Uh, it had a vodka and knew that whiskey was going to be the thing. Um, and something I really wanted to pursue, having helped start the Rogue program back in the day. And uh, yeah, we're just uh, really happy with uh, where we are, where we were, where we're going, and uh, crushing it. That's great. So you were in Southern Oregon then? Is that where no, you started so, up? So Rogue, that's good trivia. Rogue's first location was in Ashland, Oregon in Southern I'm, Oregon. I'm, I'm, I'm an actor. Shakespeare yeah. Festival. Yeah. Come on that's now. Right. It flooded in its first year. And so oh. they moved up to a tsunami zone in oh, Newport, Oregon. Genius. <laughs> Nailed it. Uh, but no, we had a small outfit in North, uh, the Pearl in Portland. Okay. Yeah. Great. And that's where you're at now. Now, Eastside, we, uh, we have five locations around the Portland area, but we are in the central part of Portland. And so the Pearl, that's used to be kind of an industrial area. Now it's Sorry. coming up and being taken over by uh, yuppies and, and rogue uh, techies and yeah, it's not yeah, far yeah. from Powell's. All I know, Powell's That's bookstore right. is That's there. Right. Yeah, old school. Right, Powell's is on Burnside. You know, number one tourist attraction in Oregon. You know what it is? Multnomah Falls. Number two tourist attraction in Oregon. Powell's bookstore. Boom. <laughs> number three, outlet malls. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> wow. wow. Yeah. And that made me very sad. Yeah, inside. that's a sad fact. Sad fact. <laughs> But um, we're going to get into some of your whiskey tonight. So Great. you guys started off making rum and vodka. That's right. And when did you start putting your own bourbon into barrels or your own whiskey into barrels, I should say? So we started our whiskey program in 2012. And we were actually the first to ever use a Garyana cask, which is an Oregon oak cask uh, for a brown spirit. And that was our single barrel uh, Burnside Bourbon Oregon Oak. Affectionately known in the distillery as Boob, Burnside Oregon Oak Bourbon. <laughs> so you get me, let a chick name it. Come on! Everybody loves boobs. It took Come months on. for the team to catch on. I was like, yeah. Yeah. That's hilarious. Been shopping in too many outlet malls. That's hilarious. So uh, when we started working with Garyana, it wasn't the, the core part of our whiskey program. We actually released a couple other whiskeys, some pretty entry level whiskeys. You, you all are drinking that if you had the punch tonight. That's our barrel hitch. That's sort of our, we're pulling people over out of clear spirits. We're saying, hey, whiskey isn't scary. It's very approachable. Here's a great entry level 80 proof corn whiskey, light tannins, smooth, clean. Um, so we had that. We also played around and uh, produced some fruited bourbons using fruit from around the Pacific Northwest and bourbon as the base. It's sort of the sincere version of a flavored whiskey. Um, and those are really excellent. But then we really got into our bourbon and I was lucky enough to kind of crawl my way to the top of this, you know, totem in the company starting as 
Having come from Rogue as their head distiller, when I started with Eastside, I'll be honest, they let me start as their part-time labeler, which was, uh, <laughs> I was very humble, and I said, sure, and then after three months, they let me see their recipes, and then I started giving tours, and I'm currently the executive vice president. So, you know, I w it's the long game. All right, all right, all right. I play the long game. Now. And that. I'm the youngest, so like the real long game. <laughs> That's what I'm in for. So, um, you know, I really got excited about Garyana casks. The thing about Garyana is that it's a very rare oak. It's hard to find. You actually can't cut Garyana trees down. Um, they're protected species. So you kind of just have to walk around with your farmers and wait for them to fall, put an X on it. So I assume you've heard of Westland out of Seattle who has a Garyana program. Well, I did it first. Uh, just <laughs> turns out we suck at marketing, so, and didn't have that nice Pernod money. So, I'm just, you know, so I said it. So we only had a couple of barrels, but it turns out when you make whiskey, you make friends. So I aligned myself with the two Coopers in the state who were actually producing these in volume. And I say volume, I mean about four a week. And um, just started getting more and playing with those. And I have some samples here tonight. If we have time, we can maybe smell yeah, out of them. Yeah, we're going to pass that around. Yeah, they're um, we have just, time. just different treatments of Garyana and how much it can change a spirit. So, yeah, so which one should I pour for a second? I believe you are tasting the West End blend. So this is our version of a blended American whiskey, but what gives it a unique kind of flavor profile is that we do put it in lightly toasted Garyana casks. This is a blend of three different whiskeys, hand-picked. It's light, it's 84 proof. This is your entry into Garyana. We're starting to get the sweet caramel, caramel corn, sweet corn, honeycomb, a little grassy. I'm gonna pass this around. Don't drink this. This is for smelling, okay? And this. What's this first one so, here? So what you're going to, this is the base spirit. So one year old, 100% corn whiskey. One years old, nothing special about this. It's almost pure distillate. It was in a used barrel, kind of funky. And then we're going to progress and try three different expressions of Garyana. And the next one we'll try is that same spirit aged in a light toast Garyana barrel for 90 days. And you'll see that transformation. And then we'll smell the same base spirit in a medium toast Garyana for 90 days. And then that spirit one last time in a number one charred Garyana. So I actually get toasted barrels and charred barrels, depending on the spirit. They should all be treated with a lot of care. It's an incredibly aggressive barrel program, and I call it hashtag job security. <laughs> I could never teach this to my subordinates, and therefore I can never be let go. Um, Brilliant. It's super complicated. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about, um, so almost all the whiskey you've ever had in your life is either started off in a used bourbon cask or a new bourbon cask, right? Like if it's bourbon, it's, it's a first use barrel. But Cooper's Union made it so that under the definition in America of what bourbon is, you had to use a charred oak barrel that's being used for the first time. You can't call it bourbon if it's going into a reused cask, which means the rest of the world starts their spirits in usually our used bourbon casks. So it's Irish whiskey, scotch, Japanese whiskey, whiskey from all over the world usually starts off in a used bourbon cask. Now that's American white oak, and most of that is harvested from the Ozarks. Now they've depleted a lot of those forests and they're starting to move further north and harvesting as far up in, into Minnesota, and they're starting to see that the wood tastes different. American white oak grows in stands. It's a slow growth, dry hardwood, and a, a 60 to 90 year old tree might only be about as big as a dinner plate 
in terms of its circumference. It might end up being like maybe 50, 60 feet tall, but it can take a long, long time for it to get that tall. And they grow in stands, like I say, they're skinny trees and they don't have deep root systems. They can be blown over, so that's why they grow in stands. They protect each other from the elements, right? Things like Gariana, which is also known as the Oregon live oak. We have the California live oak. Those fit into that description that you have in your mind of that oak tree that's standing out in the field all by itself. I mean, when I think of an oak tree, I always think of like that big burly eight foot wide trunk, the tree in a field. And those trees, and this goes along with French oak or Spanish oak, those trees generally grow by themselves. They don't grow in big stands. They can, but for the most part, they can survive all by themselves because they have deep root systems, wide trunks, burly branches. They bend in the wind, and as they bend in the wind, those elongate the cell structure of the tree, which creates a different tannic level. So things like French oak, Oregon oak, California live oak, you can get a lot more tannin out of that wood more quickly. Uh, French oak, for instance, brings notes of like brown butter, black walnut, dark cherry when charred, okay? Uh, American white oak brings you those vanillins, caramels, brown sugar, maple notes that we're very used to and that we've come to define as kind of what bourbon is about. Now, Guariana oak or Oregon live oak is in way more in the tradition of what we would consider European oak in terms of its levels of tannin and, and the tree itself is a bigger, fatter tree. It's not like those skinny, American white oaks from the Ozarks. So tell us about what, what does that Guariana oak bring in terms of the flavor profile? That's a great question. And that was actually a very excellent preface to this. I mean, this guy is like, P.S. I'm a tree expert. Great. Uh, just, Not my first rodeo, baby. Just hang out with me. So, Guariana, because of the temperate climate in Oregon, if you've ever been, uh, we were just joking that my I have sunburned lips because it was 68 degrees. And that was, I'm dealing with that right now. So Gariana oak, because of our climate, actually grows very rapidly. It takes about 30 years for a tree to mature completely versus, as you were just discussing, you know, 90 years or whatever, 50 years for this, for this small oak to, to mature. So we're talking uh, weak root systems, same, but we're getting big trees, and they are. They're just standing out there by themselves, so they fall over and... Um, and they're totally different, but they're also a very loose grain. So because they grow so fast, and as you were discussing, um, they're very porous. So if you've ever moved oak furniture, it's super heavy and dense. Um, this oak is actually really light, uh, and it ages when you put high-proof spirit in there. It actually pulls tannins very quickly. Um, one of the really cool aspects of this tree is that it has the highest content of vanillin of any oak species on the planet. So vanillin is what we make artificial vanilla out of. And American oak has vanillin in it, and if you char it, you can really kind of manipulate those flavors and pull that out. Um, Gariana has the highest content. So a lot of our experimentation with this tree was, listen, what's the best treatment for this oak to really get those flavors for a whiskey? The wineries and vintners in our area have been using this oak for 40 years. Um, in the 70s, there was a shortage of French oak, and they really had to go to their backyards and get creative because they had a lot of wine to deal with and figured out that, hey, this is a pretty good substitute, like we're getting some nice light flavors, but also realized they couldn't keep it in there for that long because it started to get overly tannic. So this first whiskey that we passed around, does mm -hmm. it have, it has some Guariana on it? It does, so this one has one of the three components was aged in a Guariana cask. So the Burnside lineup 
is touched in some meaningful way with Guariana. So one of the whiskeys in here was aged in a light toast Guariana, and that's the whiskey that you guys were passing around and smelling, but it didn't smell or taste like that when it went or uh, afterwards. So we'll, we'll taste or smell, well, we'll smell. I we're not tasting the second it. one, I poured the Great. second one. The second one is uh, the you treatment. Pass that around to smell. Smell that, that's the whiskey that ended up in the West End blend. After so 90 that's, days. That's one of the components of what you have in your that's glass right. that you will be yep. sipping. So I'm passing around that second one. Yeah, what's your question then, Tony? Stupid question. No stupid questions. Stupid question. None. Um, why is it protected when it grows so fast? Actually, all oak species are protected, which is something I only learned two years ago in the state of Oregon. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you get a permit from the state saying it's obstructing a structure right. or anything like that, you can't just go chop it down, even if it's on your property. So you're, you're not from the West Coast, I can tell by the accent, but I will let you know that I'm, I'm from Oregon and um, we created the term tree hugger. I don't know if you've ever heard of tree yeah, hugger. Yeah, 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 yeah. So therefore you must have a permit if you want to cut down a tree because we love our trees. 40,000 Portlanders signed a petition to save a tree in a bank's parking lot. We love right. trees. We love trees in Oregon. We really do love trees. I mean, it's not really talked about a lot at the distilleries, but I would think that at some place like Glenfiddich, there's a, we have Jennifer Wren in the room tonight, ladies and gentlemen, our West Coast brand ambassador Glenfiddich, all right? It's okay, she's hiding, she's got a hat on, you don't have to say anything. It's cool, no, she's cool. Um, Represent. <laughs> but like, the, those distilleries that are sitting on a lot of barrels, over time what the problem becomes is over-oaked right. whiskey. And so the challenge of a master blender is to take whiskey that's become too bitter, that's had too much oak, pull into it and then evening it out with younger spirits, you know? I mean, that's the whole art of blending is to take whiskey that's over-oaked and make it palatable and attractive and actually wonderful. And I think the shocking thing that people hear from me is that it took me about three months to learn distillation. It is a science, it's an equation. If you do this, you get this. If you do this, you get this. Not saying there is no art in distillation because your machinery, everything you do, every every technique that you, that you put into that product is gonna make it different. But for me, it took years to figure out blending because you have all these ideas that if I use this and this, they're both really great and I'm gonna put them together and I'm like, I'm a genius and they don't work. And you right. say, what the hell happened here? Um, you really have to trust you know, more of your nose and, and trust the spirit and, and take the time, go through the process of R&D um, to figure it out. Mm -hmm. Now, some of these products, the West End that we just tried, it's 84 proof and, and you know, our company is saying, we want an entry level American whiskey, and I want to do, I want to go a totally different direction, but also what I know is that it's not about me. Like this is for the consumer. I create spirits for consumers. I create spirits that people want to enjoy, want to purchase, want to ask questions about, want to be educated on, and still very proud of what we came up with. But it's interesting, I have to forget about the ego part and say, well, I'm not, I don't do this just for me or else we would only drink gin. Don't tell anyone. Oh my God. <laughs> All right. I'm going to pretend you didn't say that. That's um, a joke. That's right. a joke. <laughs> That's on record right now. Right, right. This is a podcast. I haven't told any it's jokes It's the gin tonight. podcast tonight, folks. No. Um, so stick your nose in the glass. What? what? Why would you think that nobody would like this? No, I think they would. Uh, the price point is is really what it came down to. So it's listen, not only that. If you taste yeah. spirits all day, you sit, you tend to over time become lured into higher proof Correct. because your nose gets acclimated to not want water and things. You get a really attuned to high proof spirits. Therefore, 
you start to drink higher proof spirits. That's so you true. sit around on the daily and drink over 100 proof spirits. That's not where most people live, nor where should it be where most Spencer people live. <laughs> Often I find myself like I, when I go and select to. barrels in Kentucky or when we go and mm -hmm. when we buy barrels, I don't buy barrels for my palate. I buy barrels for who I think our customers are. For the guests, you know? I'm and not I, buying whiskey for me. Yeah, margins are not sexy, but part of my craft is crafting a margin within the bottle, um, which it's at the end of the day, it's a business, and I'm not <laughs> trying to say that this is all about business and that's why I made it, but it is definitely something to consider because my job is to introduce people to these spirits, and I'm saying, hey, this is $25 and it's Garyana Oat. Like, you're not gonna find this anywhere, but it's totally accessible, right. and, it's, and it's entry, so. Okay, speaking of which, we've been talking for so long and not drinking at all. Jeez, Mel, come on. Like, you practically sobered up, it was yeah. weird. Yeah. All right, so let's taste some of this super rare whiskey, because Garyana Oak whiskey is something that is quite rare, and mm -hmm. let's learn about it, because it's different. Stick your nose in that glass, breathe in gently through your mouth, tap some over your tongue. You guys are already done. You're like, we're all already done. <laughs> I know. He's like, I just. It's okay. Well, tell us about your experience. What was it like? What did what'd you think, though? What, what food words came to mind as you as you drank your whiskey? Smooth. Okay. Okay. Smooth is, smooth is good. Your nose picks up on aromatics. Your tongue is really attuned to texture. So. I understand smooth. That makes sense. I understand smooth. What else? What else? Tap some over your tongue and share your experience. There's no wrong answers. Everyone's palate is different. Is this the second one right here? Was it for all three blends? What was the previous one? Can you tell us about the mash? The blend on this one. So the second one? Oh, the first one. Yeah, the first one is a range of whiskeys aging from one to five years. So the average age is about two and a half years old. Two of the components are 100% corn. Uh, the Third component is 84% corn and rounded out with malted barley. Okay, so I'm getting like, this is that was something. the first one. When I get from younger whiskeys, uh, especially younger corn-based whiskeys, is that cream corn note. Mm -hmm. But I'm thinking that the Garyana is bringing a little bit of like black pepper on the, on yeah, the finish. Yeah, it can be a little spice. So I'm getting like cream corn and black pepper. Does anyone get any of that? And often younger whiskeys, especially if it's an American whiskey, you'll get cream corn notes or... If it's a, a barley younger whiskey, you might get dough, like rising dough, as opposed to a fully baked loaf. Young whiskey, you can think of it as like a barrel, and in essence, is a kind of a solar oven in a way. It's it's cooking the whiskey. At least in America, our rack houses are very hot, so you can think of a rack house as being a solar oven, and those barrels being kind of mini ovens. But there, it it makes sense sometimes to think of it as like as it's aging, it's baking. In the same way that the same ingredients in bread, as in beer, as in whiskey, young whiskey might taste like dough, whereas fully mature whiskey takes on those like toasty notes. Like, oh, so that second experimental just sensory bottle was simply the base spirit aged for 90 days in a light or a light toast Garyana barrel. Garyana. So and pure we, Garyana. Pure Garyana. We do not use, I don't use staves or adjuncts. Um, every cask is 60 gallons handmade. So okay. We don't do punch-ins, we don't do anything, they're all 60 gallon casks. So slightly larger than a typical bourbon Slightly larger barrel. than a 53 gallon bourbon barrel. Interesting, yep. why did you choose 60 gallon barrels? So that was the size of the very first two we got because they were uh, commissioned to, to go to cast. a winery. Yeah. Yep, and wine then cast. we were lucky enough to receive those afterwards and Liked what it did, and uh, the ratio was good, okay. not overly oak. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
Interesting. So I'm not getting a ton of fruit, but I get a little hint of grapefruit off of that. Uh, You're going to get citrus in this one. Okay, so pithy. now we're on the second one yeah, here. Yeah, the second one's a little pithy. This makes great. Uh, this is actually so a blended bourbon, so categorically it's 51% straight bourbon and 49% straight whiskeys. Okay, and is some of this sourced, the second yes. bottle? Yep. So can you explain to us what you're doing there? Sure, so some of what I brought in here is, again, just bringing in that that balancing act, as we were talking about. You need something younger to sort of round it out. So we're bringing in a, there's a little bit of rye in here, but it's a high malt mash bill of rye. So it's a 51, 49%. Malted um, barley to rye, no yes, corn? No corn. This does have corn in the bourbon, naturally. 51% of it is straight bourbon, but then the other whiskey is rye and malt. So you were buying blending whiskey from Indiana? Yes. Yep, okay. and a couple other places. And Tennessee. And elsewhere. And elsewhere. Yes. <laughs> Alberta? No. Not Alberta? No. Portugal. Nope. <laughs> all right, all right, interesting. I know. Uh, no, 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 it's all right. I'm not, it's all good. But it's, it's still a fine art. Just because people are sourcing whiskey doesn't mean they are putting out good whiskey. The art of the blend is nothing to be scoffed at. I mean, there are people like Chivas and Johnny Walker. Those, those people are excellent at blending. Their blended whiskey still outsells all other whiskeys combined. Don't ever talk shit on blends because they still are kicking your ass all day long in terms of sales. Like, yeah. you can talk shit on blends all day long, but they're laughing in their high-rise in-houses at your okay. you know, yeah. little jokes. Didn't Bullet just break ground in 2016? And you've never had a single yeah. drop of Tom yeah. Bullet's whiskey because yeah. he's never made That's a single right. drop of whiskey. That's right. And that, it's not a bad thing. It's, it's just not. that you have to know what you're doing. The guy's a great marketer. But anyway, so this is, you've got some source whiskey. Mm -hmm. How much is, what's the percentages again? I'm sorry, of the sourced to what you made. Oh no, this is all sourced. All this sourced, one. okay. Yes. So this is a way for you to make payroll. Yet. This is like yeah, you using is... your blending skills to keep the company going. So Eastside owns a 500 gallon still. Very small. Very small. We make single malt, ferment, distill, age, all in house. So look out for that. I don't know if you guys know about single malts. <laughs> kind of a big deal. Um, yeah, uh, malt. Yeah. <laughs> Oregon, Oregon malt and barley? Peated? Yeah, yeah. No, unpeated. Oh, no. Unpeated. No, unpeated. <laughs> um, are you buying Oregon barley for the stuff so we, you make? Uh, Pacific, so Oregon, Washington. Great. Yep. Great stuff. Yep. And so, uh, we distill gin and other items as well. Our burn, our entire, if we didn't say this, the entire Burnside lineup is sourced and blended. We didn't see it until just now. You just said so it. Let me be transparent about okay. that. This is my blending baby project. Okay. That we spent actually kind of years developing. Sure. Um, it's not easy. Definitely not easy to learn how to blend. Maybe. It's a great job trying to figure it out, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of days you're getting sitting home early, yeah. right? No. Yeah, I get paid. <laughs> you get paid to drink. Yeah. What's that? Yeah, it's approachable. And that's, again, with our Burnside concept, it is a flagship and it's, and it's cool burn. We can talk about you know, the philosophy of it a little bit more, but really having the different expressions, we think a consumer should be able to find their Burnside within wow. any of these products, whether it's the West End because you want something corn forward and kind of light, um, maybe you want to sip it on a rock, it's very uh, quaffable. And then you get into the blended bourbon, you're getting a little more heat, you're getting a little more note of that oak, 
Um, you can start getting into cocktails. Now the following, this one and the next two are all 92 proof. And the ice cube is transformative for these spirits. We're not gonna give out any ice cubes. No, sorry. <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. You can do it on your own, at your own time. But uh, let's, let's uh, taste this whiskey together. What do you guys get? Stick your nose in that glass, breathe in gently through your mouth. What comes to mind? Oh, she's dropping a drop of water on it. All right. Mm -hmm. If you've got a little water at mm -hmm. hand, you can drop a drop on there. But seriously, the difference between one drop and two drops in a glass this small mm -hmm. is everything. Right. Water. And really, the water is helping the aromatics. The aromatics are different, and that's the tricky thing when, you, when you're sourcing and you're like, oh, my gosh, and you smell and taste this, and you're like, oh, my gosh, and then you're like, I have, I've done it. This is the one, and uh, it doesn't work. Once they're together, the aromatics compete with each other, they overpower each other, the, or the nose completely falls flat, and it's very unexpected, and and it's it can be pretty trying. So it does, do you change your blend every year to what you're No. I never go into this. This is why this program took so long, because I needed to ensure that I had inventory out. Um, I look five years forward. So this so blend is always the same. Yes. For five years yes. Of demand. Yes. And if your demand were to increase, you would essentially. We're set to go. Another little thing about Eastside is that we really worked hard this last year to become the only publicly traded craft distillery in the country. We're on NASDAQ under East, and there's only 30 of us. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So we have, and we're not, and people think, well, what happens if you guys understand the whiskey industry is that you produce 50,000 cases and you're now a target for acquisition. We wanted to avoid that whole scenario. We did not want to be acquired. Um, we went public and we use that platform. We've actually made two acquisitions. Um, these acquisitions are actually more like bailouts. They were great producers who just didn't have the capital to keep producing. They now run completely autonomous. They're owned by Eastside. They kept all their brands, all their recipes and employees. So we've set ourselves up in sort of a different way in the craft spirit market because we're not building these to sell or sell out or make a quick 750 million like so We're here to make and put back into our own program. Do you mind naming them? The acquisitions? Sure. So they're just small Oregon companies. One was uh, called Big Bottom Distilling. And Big Bottom is a protected forested area in, in Oregon. If you don't tell that story, you're just thinking about me, and it's not about me. Uh, but it's yeah, actually- I've got a Big Bottom too, you know. We have, uh, Big Bottom was run by two gentlemen, one being the former head distiller of High West, and he left when they sold Constellation and said, I'm gonna start anew out in the West, uh, West Coast. And he was out there making these really beautiful, niche whiskeys. I mean, what he did was he was doing 400 bottle releases at a time. And we're like, you are the epitome of craft and care and passion and finesse. And the, the president of that company, mind you, there were two of them. So the president and the distiller hmm. titles. So he is a compliance expert. And we're like, this is what we want. Like, we're not in it for, they had nothing for us to grab onto. There was not jumping on a bandwagon train of, of, you know, revenue. We had to help them dig them up and out, but we're like, what you're doing is phenomenal. And you are a huge asset and you are a huge asset. And we wanted them to be a part of our team. So that was big bottom and they're just doing whatever they do, which is awesome, releasing their cool stuff. And then the other one was a co-packaging company. So for us, that was strategic because we were able to, get a, a new bottling line, a canning line. So for us, it was about the, the actual space. 
um, and we are now canning, you know, cocktails and doing cool stuff. So that was the second acquisition. Thanks. You're welcome. Cool. Well, I really yeah. like that second one a lot. It's very familiar. That rye tastes good to me. We're going to come around Ooh. with our third mark here, guys. So right. this is the rye. This is the rye. Is that right? Yeah, the third is rye. This is uh, the most recent addition to the Burnside family. And this is uh, sourced, sourced from the same places? Sourced from your, some, some usual suspects, and then there's actually a really great craft rye that I was able to get my hands on. A great little brand out of Montana called Rough Stock. Okay. If you've heard of Rough Stock. We have some Rough Stock. Rough Stock was producing rye in a pot still in Montana and aging it for three years and sort of went belly up and I was... Uh, lucky enough to be introduced to those guys and purchased the entire inventory. Um, <laughs> so when I say the entire inventory, it was like 112 barrels, but I was like, I'll take it. It's delicious. Um, and at the rate I'm using it, which is because it's only a component of this blend, well, actually, by the time I'm done, the last bit of it will be about six years old. So um, a really fun little backbone product in here. Now the rye we just released about two months ago and it just brought home. I'm going to give myself props. Uh, the double gold at San Francisco World nice. Spirits Con. Right Thank you for the cool, cool price of thirty-four ninety-five. Wow. <laughs> so, as you know, this how is this different from the first two? What do you guys notice? What's your experience? Again, there's no wrong answers. Share. This is a time to find your voice. It's a little bit of a grain. Yeah. Grain. Like isopropyl note, is that what you're saying? Yes. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yeah? So if you just smell alcohol, it usually just means you're going too fast. So what I do is I stick my nose in the glass, breathe in gently through my mouth. Draw the vapor across the back of your palate to cool it down. the grain itself. Really like flower almost So here's the danger though with tasting notes and nosing notes. Is the second someone says something, it influences mm -hmm. the entire room. That's what I was it's, it's, it's always like the challenge. Mm -hmm. You don't want to name it. Spaghetti. Ah. <laughs> Anyone? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. We got it. We have to progress the conversation somehow. All right. I can wait, or I can talk. I'm only going to wait for so long, and then I'm going to talk. So either you guys talk, or I'm going to talk. All right? Because no, no. I'm an enthusiastic student at best. As, as we move forward, a progression of Kimberly. Uh, uh, Burnt toffee and butterscotch. So it seems to be like every every time we move to a new uh, a dram, it like amps up just a little bit. And this one is particularly like toffee candy to me. Mm. So this was aged in a medium toast Garyana cask, and the medium toast we have right there. And I wasn't. I don't think that's been passed around to nose. The mash bill for this is eighty five percent rye. So it's very high rye, so it should be spicy, it should be grainy. Um, you're going to get that. Uh, I did not cut on the rye. Legally, it just needs to be 51% rye. And this is even a blended rye, so I had even looser uh, rules going into it. But I have wanted to make a rye for years. I wanted to make a rye at Rogue back in 2010, um, but we just weren't ready. And this is rye. I did not get to distill, but I'm still very pleased with the rye that we, we brought on and, and the amount that we used. And... That medium toast. Again, this is a perfect, perfect rye for a Boulevardier, 
Um, there's some really great cocktails you can make with this one in particular. So this is the, we're just sending around that third mm -hmm. uh, Gariana sample from sure. the distillery here. This is the medium toast. The that medium is the toast. medium toast. Okay. And so that's blended in what we just mm -hmm. tasted. Correct. Now, what are the rules on a blended rye versus a... So, blended rye needs to be 51% straight rye and then 49% straight whiskeys. So, straight whiskeys, it can be 100% corn whiskey, 100% anything. It's just a straight whiskey that went into a new barrel at some point. And I really, I wanted rye. I mean, the whole point was to make rye. And the ryes I was working with, I didn't want a 100% rye, although that might be a release at some point. Um, we do have our 10-year anniversary Gariana release coming out this summer. Um, but it's a bourbon, because that's, that's our core competency. So the, which one? The, the birthday oh, bash? Yeah. Yes. So. The birthday one has been sitting in barrels for 18 months. Okay. Yes. Extremely old bourbon, then. Extremely old bourbon in Gariana. Number one char, Gariana casks. Wow, so super light char. Yep. Yep, super Excellent. light. It Excellent. already has a lot of char to it. Can you define like what makes light char, medium char, or light roast, medium roast, char? Like, what's the so in the industry? Mm -hmm. Please, there's uh, most bourbon is put into what we call a number four char. There's no legal definition of what that means. It it kind of varies slightly from stave company to stave company, meaning the barrel making companies. They have their own actual equipment and they vary. So like one. Folk might have an upright torch, whereas somebody else has like a torch that spins the barrel sideways. So there's no legal definition of the difference between number one, number two, number three, and number four. What I've seen in my experience of visiting stave companies is that the number three char ranges between like 25 and 35 seconds on the torch, mm -hmm. whereas the number four char is generally 35 to 45 seconds on the torch. Generally, most of it is the heaviest char is at um, is that number four. I'll show you the difference. I've got a piece of wood here. I'll show you. Bye. <laughs> anyway, just kidding. Okay, so this is a number four char. If you look on the number four char, you'll see the striation. Can you see the texture? See how it shines? That's what they call in Kentucky. They call that the alligator skin. Number three char. Look, it's very smooth. It hasn't been fired to the point where the wood starts to break apart. Now, carbon is exceptionally dense, right? So every time we see a crack, there's way more surface area than what we can see to the blind eye here, to the naked eye. Um, there, this provides a huge, there's a huge difference between number three and number four in terms of how much filtration that this layer of char can create because when it starts to break open, that's a whole really intricate level of um, of surface area essentially yeah it's crazy so that is a much heavier filter than the number three char okay and then this piece of wood here that's French oak and that's the more porous oak that we're talking about as opposed to American white oak I'll go ahead and pass these staves around you can check those out as well and then we're going to pass out this final mark. What's this fourth mark that we're passing around here, Mel? The fourth one is straight bourbon that was aged in a number one char Gariana casks. All right, so everyone should have the fourth mark. Did anyone knock at the fourth mark? Everybody's got it, a little whiskey in their hand. And then let's, t let's pass around that little uh, distillery sample as well so we have something to compare it to. Now, this is all from Indiana, some from Tennessee. Where else? 
Some from Texas. Some from Texas, so maybe some balcones and in there some from Washington. Okay, okay. Cool. So this is the number one char. The oldest bourbon in here is four years. The youngest is three years. So we're not getting a huge variation in age. Um, but this is our, our straight variety and you notice the color obviously is, is much richer. We're getting a deep amber at this point and that's not just because of the bourbon that we brought in having already picked up a really nice color from those new, new American oak barrels but because of the Garyana char as well. So favorite cocktail with this guy is just what we call goose on a rock. <laughs> And it's just one large ice cube. I like that. I like your style. That's my favorite cocktail. So the Garyana really opens up. Now there's a lot of debate with the 92 proof. I actually prefer this at 90, but how do you achieve that in a cocktail? Putting it on a rock is great, but again, a lot of it has to do with aromatics. And aromatics are incredibly important because it's your olfactory senses that determine what you're tasting. So whatever you're smelling is what you're tasting. A couple drops of water in this, again, as I said, not to be redundant, is transformative. Beautiful. So stick your nose in the glass, guys. And, and again, how does this vary from the first three? What are you reminded of and how is it different? Mm, a little old world style. Okay. All right. What are you guys getting? I'm getting toffee for sure. Like dark chocolate, that, that really well-cooked uh, caramel, toasted nuts. Oh, nice. <laughs> Right on. Beautiful stuff. Allie, what are you getting? Cinnamon. Cinnamon. So spicy. I think that, mm -hmm. that Gariana for me is providing that back of the palate experience mm -hmm. where it's like dark cherry and spice, like mm -hmm. pepper, cinnamon. I taste a hint of cherry through. Yeah, stone all fruit. Of these, yeah. Sure. All of these, you know, just, I mean, sometimes just a really big. Yeah. Very nice. That's wonderful. Really is wonderful. What's the bottle price at the local liquor store? If I'm going to add this to my home bar, what am I paying per bottle? Uh, 35. 35. Beautiful. Like, totally I don't affordable. pay for this. Don't ask me that. That's right. Just kidding. So yeah, if you guys check this out, these, these labels are very iconic and unique. You'll see that if you see these in your local liquor store, you should be able to recognize them because they're these wonderful, very Portlandia color scheme here, right? Very, very cool. Some uh, cool kind of uh, pastels. How would you describe this color? This is your bandana. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Right? Band colors. Yeah. That was not very the intention, I'm sure. Right? Very millennial. I don't know how you know that, but these were fashioned off of old music posters that were found on Burnside Street in the 80s. Kim. Killing it. That's such a subtle piece of trivia. Yeah, the, the the font itself is actually borrowed from a very famous theater that still resides on Burnside Street, the Roseland. So we oh, yeah. we asked to use the R. It's very iconic, and then the rest was hand drawn. Yeah, Burnside actually stretches end to end. So we actually consider it the artery. It goes east to west. Okay, because I went to Portland. I'm like, hey, how do you know? <laughs> you didn't stop on. Yeah, I didn't see you. <laughs> I was there at the same time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so Burnside is very iconic, and it was the place to be in the 80s, and that's when I was born and raised in Portland. And there was a huge music scene. There was a lot of indie film, indie music, a lot going on. Jim Jarmusch. Um, my own Burnside Bridge is Burnside the best Bridge. skateboard park like at, at, when I grew up, that was like the mecca of where we would go to skate. We would drive all the way to Portland. I grew up in Eugene, but it was like 
two hour drive to go to Burnside, but that was like, oh, like the greatest skate park in the world. And it was so gnarly and so sketchy and people like shooting up heroin and it was super dangerous and cool. And it was like, it's where everybody wanted to now hang out. Now they're just like, ODing on cold brew. Right, yeah, it's totally changed now. It used to be a bunch of cheeseheads throwing nitro. beer cans at us, but yeah. now it's all like, no, it's just uh, nitro. like paper espresso brew. cups. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a new day. <laughs> all those cheeseheads are dead. Oh. That's what happens, you folks. You play it with hair when you die. <laughs> it's now true. We'll wrap it up for the evening. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just keeping it real for you. So I didn't come yeah. here to glaze the cherry, you know what I'm saying? Like, Where do we go from there? <laughs> right? Well, you guys, let's give it up for Mel Han from Eastside Stilly. Really wonderful. Thank you, Pedro. And No, thank you. Thank you. And, you know, we don't, you know, I, I, it, there's not that many female master distillers or master blenders in the game, and, and that's shameful. And But, you know. We want to lift you up and encourage people to try your products because uh, definitely it's something that we advocate here at Seven Grand and in Bar Jack Lope. Women in the whiskey world has always been there and it just hasn't been getting the attention that it deserves. And so thank you for being a pioneer and kind of breaking down those walls again. <laughs> again. I have three and black again. belts. <laughs> All right. That's well, It's that's great real. to have you. Thank you so much thank for coming you out. Thank you very much. Yeah, buy your Burnside. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like what you heard, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and review. The Spirit Guide Society is a Spirit Adventures production in association with Bitten from the Apple Productions. Special thanks to Tone Mesa for their post-production and audio services. The show is produced by Andrew Apple and me, Pedro Shanahan. Executive producer, Andrew Abrahamson. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Spirit Guide SOC. We'll be there to answer any questions you have, share what we're drinking, and more. And if you're still thirsty, you can always find more episodes of the show wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to always drink responsibly. That means don't drink to forget, drink to remember. <laughs> <laughs>